Good morning, everyone. So glad you're here today. Uh, Joe had a wonderful service this morning at the 9 o'clock session. Some of you were here. And uh, I'm glad to be able to speak to you this morning. In fact, the, the songs were so appropriate for what I want to share with you. So uh, everything is going right along with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. I love it when a plan comes together. Remember the old A-team movies? I love it when a plan comes together. Praise God. Especially God's plan. Amen. Praise God. Uh, we want to welcome all of our friends that have come in from around the nation, getting ready for the Kenneth Copeland Believers Convention starting tomorrow morning. Uh, there's, there are many of you here. I don't want to start naming names because I might overlook somebody. But you know who you are. And I know who you are. And we are glad that you're here, praise God. And I trust you'll be able to stay for many days of the convention. And uh, I know it's going to be a good one. We've been looking forward to it. Brother Copeland is pumped up. I'm pumped up. And all the other speakers are pumped up. Hallelujah. So we're going to have a good time. Hallelujah. Uh, the first song that we sang this morning, I love that song. I leaned over to Carla and I said, I love that song. Talking about the favor of God. That's my favorite subject, as you well know. And I have it on me big time. If you get close to me, it'll get on you. Hallelujah. And uh, I have been preaching on the favor of God ever since I've been in the ministry. It's the first revelation God gave me back in 1969. And I have preached about the favor of God around the world. I've written, I don't know how many books, preached, I don't know how many sermons, produced, I don't know how many resources on the subject of the favor of God. And I love that line where it talks about in the song, uh, favor on you for a thousand generations and on your family and on your children and on your children's children. I love that, praise God. Now, my children have, have watched all these years, Jerry and Terry, have watched all these years the favor of God be on their daddy big time. But I love it when it comes on them. And Jerry Ann has a favor testimony. And I want you to come and read that. It has to do with her husband, Carl. And this just happened. And uh, it is so appropriate because of that song, Favor on Your Children and Your Children's Children. So listen to this. Yay. Um, Carl had back surgery in May. And it was just a day surgery. So we have insurance. But we got the bill about a month ago. And it was $101,000. With insurance. So we took a big gulp. And it was like, okay. Finally, Carl called the insurance and asked, okay, what's up with this? So we got this really nice lady on the phone. She was very helpful. She told Carl, if you'll send in all your bills that have come in, I'll work with you and help you. And, well, my husband didn't do that. And I've been on him for about a month now. Have you sent those in? Have you sent? No, he hadn't. So we went on Chariots of Light meeting last weekend to Branson and Little Rock, and Carl sowed big seed in the offering every night. Believing for and what did I preach on both nights? The favor of God. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we've been believing for some big things, and that was just one of the things was this bill. 
And so yesterday we were doing yard work, sweating in the yard, and I went over to the mailbox and I saw a letter from where he had the uh, surgery done, and I, I, I handed it to him like that because I knew it was going to be a bill. He didn't want to open it. <laughs> so <laughs> we got in the house, and he opened it, and I was talking to somebody or doing something, and he's like, Jerry, come here, come here. And it's sitting on the kitchen counter. He goes, read that. So I'm like, what? It says, this account has now been closed. It's paid in full. You know what? And you know what daddy says? Daddy always says, immediately say, that's the favor of God. He also says to say, I'm next. Yeah. So if you're believing God for something in your life right now, say, I'm next. I'm next. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? Praise God. Hallelujah. Favor. I love having the favor of God on my life. Amen. I've got so many favor testimonies. It'd take me at least a year to share them all with you. But you don't have that kind of time, so get the messages in the book. Okay. (laughs) All right. Hey, you remember the word the Lord gave me at the beginning of this year and what I've been preaching on here all year long? When I've been here, I'm the worst attending member of my own church (laughs) because I'm always somewhere else. But this has just come out this week. Live in God's abundant overflow. Amen. Now, you've heard me preach about this. And I, every time I'm here, I, I preach on it and then the additional messages that the Lord's given me uh, that, that line up with this. And uh, we now have it in book form. And I love books because I like highlighting, I like underlining, I like writing notes in the middle of them. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is, in 52 years of ministry, I believe this is about my 82nd book. Now, I plan to, I plan to write, I, I told the publication department, I said, I'm going to write a hundred books before the Lord comes. They said, Brother Jerry, you've already got 80. I said, I'm going to write 200 books before the Lord comes. <laughs> Amen. Marcy, that goes to you. And I'll get you one too, okay? <laughs> Make sure we get another book up here, Okay. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, and three more. Go get three more real quick. I'm sewing. My wife's sewing too. It reminds me of a story of Brother Happy Caldwell and, and Buddy Harris and I were all preaching together in a meeting one time and and uh, when Happy Caldwell got through preaching, he said to the people, now, Brother Jerry has a tape table back there. He used to call them tape tables, you know. But uh, Thank you. he said, Brother Jerry has a tape table back there. Anything you want, go get it. It's free. <laughs> I looked at him. And so um, when I got up, I said, and Buddy has a tape table. Anything you want out there, go get it. It's free. And then Buddy got up and he said, anything you want off a happy's table, go get it and it's free. (laughs) And it's like, 
That's like my directors in Australia, Ian and Diane. If you're watching, I'm going to tell on you. You know, I ride motorcycles all over the world. And so in my offices in different nations, I keep motorcycle boots. I keep a leather jacket. I, so I don't have to carry it every time, you know. So I just keep them in our offices over there. And Ian notifies me one day and said, Brother Jerry, uh, I gave all your motorcycle stuff away. I said, Ian, that was mine. You give your stuff away. You don't give my stuff away. He said, well, I knew you wouldn't mind. I said, then I'm believing for the harvest. And you're going to pay for it. Praise God. <laughs> All right. Praise God. You have your Bibles with you? Let's open them to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, for the sake of time, I, I would like to read all this from the King James, but for the sake of time, I'm going to read a portion of this, several verses down through about verse 17. I'm going to read a portion of it from the Message Translation. And uh, I won't read the entirety of all those verses, but uh, beginning in verse 1, Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul identifying himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the will of God. Then drop down to verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, beginning in verse 4, I'm going to start with a message translation. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us, as the focus of his love. Long before. Is this the right scriptures? Verse 4. Okay, there it is. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. Look at somebody and say, I am the focus of God's love. Now, another translation says it this way. I am the object of his affection. Tell somebody, I am the object of God's affection. And don't you feel special already this morning? Amen. You know, Carol and I have this habit of saying to each other all the time, how much we love each other, but she's... She says, have I told you today I love you? There was an old song one time that says, and darling, I'm telling you now. <laughs> Amen. But she says when I call her, she says, oh, it's Angel Jerry, the love of my life. And I say, it's Carolyn, the love of my life. We have a habit of saying that to each other, the love of my life. Well, we are the love of each other's life. But even higher than that, I'm the object of God's affection. I'm very special to God. I'd appreciate a little more appreciation from you. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, I am the object of his affection. Amen. 
the object of his affection. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, he thought of everything, provided for us everything we could possibly need. Thought of everything before he laid the foundation of the earth. That means everything that you and I will need in this lifetime, he's already thought about it. And he's already prearranged for it. All he's asking you to do is trust him. Amen. Not only that, just lift your hand and say, and I receive it, praise God. Amen. Isn't that amazing? God has already, before he laid the foundation of the earth, had already provided for everything we will ever need while we're on this planet, praise God. That, that brings great joy and bring great hope to me. In fact, with that, I have this to say. Don't worry about a thing. Amen. Don't worry about a thing. He's already prearranged for everything that you and I would ever possibly need. Then verse 11 says, He had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. I love that. Say glorious living. Not just existing, but glorious living. That sounds like the way I want to live. How about you? <clears throat> and there, then verse 17. I ask God to make your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do and grasp the immensity of his glorious, this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Notice this glorious way of life. There's a scripture that talks about in Psalms that happy is the people whose God is the Lord. I, I used to speak a lot at the full gospel businessmen conventions around the country founded by Demas Shikarian. And that was something Demas always said. He was a man of great joy. And Demas always said, God's people ought to be the happiest people on the planet. Amen. Amen. But quite the contrary. There are some sad Christians, some of whom I don't enjoy being around. How about you? I, I'm glad I'm a man of faith, and I'm glad I'm a man of joy. Because if I hung around some Christians, they'd pull you down to their level. Amen? Amen. There's just some folks uh, you'd be better off not hanging out with. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen? People have a way of pulling you down if you're not stronger than they are. But notice he's talking about this glorious way of life. Glorious way of life. And Paul is praying that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened so that we will recognize and learn to live this glorious way of life. And if you ever recognize uh, what God has truly done for you, then your life is never going to be the same. That's exactly what happened to me 52 years ago. I had no idea at that time that living for God could be this wonderful. I had no idea. Now, Carolyn, she went to church all of her life, got baptized in the Holy Spirit when she was about eight years old. And 
And I didn't, I didn't grow up in the kind of church that she grew up in. She grew up in a Pentecostal church. I grew up in the little Baptist church down the road from our house. And uh, it was just a typical little Baptist church, Southern Baptist church. And uh, the pastor, he was a wonderful man. I mean, everybody on our road knew Brother Smooker. His name was Jerry Smooker. He'd been a blacksmith before he got saved. Had this deep voice. He'd always, he'd come to our house from time to time. And he'd say, how are you doing, Jerry? <laughs> and I loved Brother Smoker. He was a fine man. And I used to mow his lawn for him. And uh, just enjoyed being around him. But everybody loved Brother Smoker. In fact, you couldn't sneeze that he didn't find out about it and was at your house praying for you. You know, just, just a loving man. But he didn't have the kind of revelation knowledge that you and I possess today. Because I never heard him talk about the blessing of God. I never heard him talk about the favor of God. I never heard, a, I never heard another preacher say anything about the favor of God. And when God began to reveal that to me, I, I didn't know you could have favor with God. I didn't know he existed until he showed me in his word. And then as I began to learn about it, it looked like to me it was, it was mentioned on every page in the Bible. The favor of God. And we didn't know these things growing up. If I had known it, I probably would have surrendered my life to the Lord a whole lot earlier than I did. But once I found out that God had prearranged before the foundation of the earth a glorious life for Jerry Savelle, then I became a man possessed, so to speak. Not with a demon, <laughs> but with a quest for knowledge. I couldn't get enough. I studied the word day and night. In fact, when I first began, when I shut my business down, the Lord told me to spend the next three months, no less than eight hours a day, studying the word of God. He said, at the end of three months, I'll make a preacher out of you. And I studied no less than eight hours a day. Most of the time it turned into 12, 14 hours a day. And I couldn't get enough. I'd come out of that bedroom every day, every night with, with revelation and thinking, why wasn't I told this before? Why didn't anybody tell me this? Like I said, if I had known it earlier, I probably would have surrendered my life to the Lord much earlier. But praise God, I did get a hold of it, and it wasn't too late. In fact, I don't care how old you are right now, it's not too late. Amen. 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 I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord, it's not too late. God has planned a glorious life for you. Now, <clears throat> I've got this handkerchief here that I'm going to carry around with me this morning while I preach. Because the anointing of God that's on me is going to come into this handkerchief, according to the book of Acts. Clothing was taken from the apostle Paul, and upon whom it was laid, demons fled, and sickness and disease left. And I'm going to do this for your Sunday school teacher. She was supposed to be here today, couldn't make it. Uh, she's battling cancer. And I'm going to carry this around with me, and you send it to her. After the service, okay? So stretch your hands out toward this handkerchief. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, as I carry this around with me today, I'm believing for the anointing of God that is on the inside of me to come into this piece of cloth. And when it is laid on this lady, I'm believing that the anointing of God is going to flow into her. And your word clearly states that it is the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. And we're believing for a miracle in Jesus' name. I said we're believing for a miracle in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, here's a lady right here that had a miracle. Amen. Amen. And you know this Sunday school teacher as well, don't you? And uh, we're believing God the same anointing that made you whole is going to make her whole. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So don't let me forget this. I'm going to carry it around with me while I preach. So God has planned a glorious life. To me, a glorious life would include living in divine health. It would include living in divine prosperity. It would include having favor that opens doors that no man can shut. Wouldn't you agree? A glorious life. And once again, not just existing like a lot of people do. They just exist. I was just existing prior to 1969 because I didn't know any better. And that's the reason a lot of people today, and particularly a lot of Christians, are just existing. And it's usually because of a lack of knowledge. Amen. God's word says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, that's what this book is for. Amen. People shed their blood to get this into our hands. Amen. Don't, don't treat it like some novel. Read it once and put it on the shelf. It's life under those that find it. It's life. It'll produce a glorious life. Can you say amen? amen? Not just a life, but a glorious life. Now keep that in mind. A glorious life. Everybody say, a glorious life. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And once again, for the sake of time, I'm going to read it from uh, the message translation. It wasn't that long ago that you let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You let the world tell you how to live. That was me. I let the world tell me how to live. If they said everybody's got to be sick sometime, I believe what they said. Everybody's got to go broke sometime, I believe what they said. And consequently, I was sick and broke. Amen. I let the world tell me how to live. And they don't know the first thing about real life. Don't let the world tell you how to live. The Bible says that's one of the reasons why we must renew our minds. No longer be transformed or, 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 or conformed, rather, to the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what I had to do. 52 years ago. And praise God, it worked. Hallelujah. 
I don't resemble that man at all. I don't live like that man lived at all. I'm living a glorious life. Hallelujah. And it just keeps getting better and better. Now, I'm not saying I never have attacks. I'm not saying that I never have opportunities, you know, to fail. I do. I'm human. I'm still on this planet. As long as you're on this planet, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation, tests and trials. I'm not immune to those. Amen. I don't live in some protective bubble. Neither do you. If you come under attack, I come under attack. If I come under attack, you come under attack. The only way you're going to stop experiencing attacks, you have to leave the planet. Amen. You've heard me tell this story before. I was preaching Brother Oral Roberts at the Maybe Center many years ago. And he preached first. Then he said, you're going to close it out. And then I preached and he said, you're going to pray for the people. And there was a man came, it was a long line and one man that I knew. And he said, Brother Jerry, uh, pray that I will never have another challenge, never have another attack, never have another test or trial. So I laid my hands on him. I said, Lord, let this man die. He said, I don't want to die. I said, well, that's what you asked me to pray. He said, no, I asked you to pray I'll never have another attack. I said, well, sir, the only way I know how to never have another attack is you have to leave the planet. He said, well, I don't want to die. I said, Lord, let him live. (laughs) And just teach him how to overcome, praise God. Amen. So as long as we're on this planet, we're going to experience attacks. But that doesn't mean we have to give in to them. That doesn't mean we have to roll over and play dead. Amen. No, I'm tapping into this glorious life. And that glorious life includes overcoming the world. Hallelujah. And overcoming everything Satan throws at you. Somebody give the Lord a shout if you believe it. So notice he said, it wasn't that long ago that you let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. I mean, if you remember those days. And then verse 7 says, now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. God has all the time in the world to shower his grace and his kindness, which also is synonymous for his favor upon us. Hallelujah. That means we haven't experienced all the grace, all the kindness, and all the favor that we're going to experience. There's still more to come. Can you say amen? Now, I want to look at this phrase, the object of his affection. We are the object of God's affection. Another translation said, we are the target of his thoughts. We are the target of his thoughts. You know, I I wake up some mornings having someone on my mind. And and usually I can't get them off of my mind until I call them and check on them and see how they're doing or something. Or, uh, you know, uh, come in contact with them in some way. But I know what it means. I've experienced that where someone is the target of my thoughts. Amen. I woke up a couple of days ago and and, uh, had someone, I mean, just uh, just their face flashed before me. 
as I was getting out of bed. I just saw their face. And uh, later that day, I, I phoned them and asked them, what's going on in your life? You need some prayer? Is something I can do to help you? And they said, boy, did you ever hear from God? We have been under severe attack this week. And I'm glad God put us on your mind. Well, you know, I don't have them on my mind all the time. I happen to have them on my mind that day. You know, like I've told you before, there used to be quite often that John Osteen would call me. And sometimes at weird, weird hours of the day. And I'd answer the phone. Brother Jerry, this is John Osteen, pastor of Lakewood International Outreach, Houston, Texas. I knew all that, but he had to tell me. He said, I just want you to know, Dodie and I had you on our mind this morning, praying for you. Bye. I wouldn't even get to talk. <laughs> One time he called me and I'm in Australia. And there was 14 hours difference in the time zones. And he called and it's three o'clock in the morning in Australia. And I woke up and answered the phone. Brother Jerry, John Osteen, pastor of Lakewood International Outreach Center, Houston, Texas. Just wanted you to know, Joe, uh, Dodie and I, uh, had her, you on our minds this morning, praying for you. Bye. <laughs> One time I said, John, before he hung up, do you have any idea what time it is? He said, no, I just had you on my mind, was praying for you. It's three o'clock in the morning, John, I'm in Australia. Well, go back to sleep and wake up in the morning and think about, I called you and had you on my mind. <laughs> I've had Brother Copeland do that. I, I left my phone on one time in my Bible case and I went to the pulpit and forgot my phone was on and it started ringing while I'm preaching. I said, excuse me, folks, I, I, got, I forgot to turn my phone on. Well, I saw it was Brother Copeland. I said, it's Brother Copeland, excuse me. Hey, Kenneth, how you doing? Where are you at? I said, I'm wherever I was. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm preaching. I forgot to turn my phone off. He said, well, tell everybody I said hi. Call me when you get done. <laughs> He told me a story the other day when we were flying somewhere together. He, he said uh, he, he got these new hearing aids. And uh, he and I both, you know, I, I, got, I got some and I was showing them to him. He said, where'd you get those? He said, I got, I got an old pair that ain't worth what I paid for. Them. And I told him, he, I said, man, these things are really nice. I'm hearing things I hadn't heard in years. <laughs> Did you know there are birds out in my, in my front yard? I hadn't heard birds chirp in a long time, you know. And uh, I said, but I haven't learned to wear them while I preach yet because when you got about 10,000 people out there shouting, it sounds like somebody put a bucket on your head and just banging it with a hammer, you know. And so he got some before our next trip. He said, look at this. And he said, I got to tell you a funny story. He said, I got them and I wore them the first night I was preaching. And he said, and I had my phone in my case and they're on, uh, what do you call it? Bluetooth. They're on Bluetooth. And he said, I heard my phone ring and I'm preaching. I said, hello. <laughs> and then he had to tell the audience it was his hearing aids. <laughs> Back to my point. We are the target of his thoughts. 
Amen. Now, John Osteen, he's in heaven now, you know, so I don't get calls from him anymore. I still get calls from Brother Copeland. I used to get calls from Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin, but they're in heaven now. I don't get calls from them anymore. But it always blessed me to know that I was on their mind. They'd take the time to call me and tell me. But I'm on God's mind 24-7, and so are you. Amen? Now, a lot of people believe that God's thinking about them, but it's what they think he's thinking that's incorrect. Here's what God thinks. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now, the message translation says, I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, plans to give you the future you've hoped for. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that wonderful? Plans to give you the future that you have hoped for. Amen. That sounds like glorious living, doesn't it? You're dear to him. That may come as a shock to some people, to some Christians. But you are dear to him. Peter calls us in 1 Peter 2, 9, God's peculiar people. And that does not mean weird, even though some of them are weird. John Osteen told me one time, he said, I'm beginning to think I pastor a granola church. I said, what do you mean by that? I got some fruits, flakes, and nuts in there. (laughs) Now, I didn't look at anybody when I said that. Peculiar people doesn't mean weird. It means God's special treasure. Look at somebody and say, did you know I'm God's special treasure? Amen. Tell them, go ahead and touch them if you'd like. It'll be all right. You are God's special treasure. Amen. The Passion Translation says, he claims you as his very own. I love I love the scriptures where Paul talks about we're chosen. Anybody like being chosen? I like being chosen. I remember when I was a kid, I started, went out for Little League baseball. Could hardly wait till I got old enough to go out to Little League. And me and my best friend, Kenny Hennard, we, we both went out, tried out for this team. And... Uh, I didn't get chosen. Kenny did, and I didn't. Oh, it tore me up. I went home crying. Went and went, sat in my bedroom in the floor, and I cried like a baby. And then I, I, I made the decision sitting in the floor there. I said, I will never cry again. Because that coach told me I was too little. I, I asked him, I said, sir, I didn't know it had anything to do with your size. I thought it was your ability. I can play as good as anybody that you chose. And you didn't choose me because I'm too little? Oh, it tore me up. And I, I, I hated from that moment being little. Now, you have, you have to understand, I haven't been all, always the big hunk of a man I am today. I used to be little. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> no, I, I was little. You know, you don't get the picture. I weighed 95 pounds when I graduated from high school. 
that's little. The girls were bigger than me. <laughs> Started college at 101 pounds. Carol and I got married. I was 114 pounds. I looked like I was 14 years old. <laughs> you should see the wedding pictures. I looked like I was 14 years old. And I had this chip on my shoulder. I thought everybody that looks at me thinking, he's little. Boy, ain't he little. It's a good thing Jesse DePlantis and I didn't know each other growing up. Because he was little. We'd have probably beat each other up trying to prove who was the biggest. You know? And, and uh, I, went into, I went into boot camp, the Army. I weighed 116 pounds, I believe it was. I came out weighing 121. Those three squares a day was good on me, praise God. Amen. That's little, folks. When I went to work with Brother Copeland, I was 25 years old, I think, 24, 25 years old. And I, I didn't even weigh 130 pounds. He used to tell people, I've lost in weight three men the size of Jerry Savelle. <laughs> But I remember that coach told me I was too little. Not being chosen was heartbreaking to me. And some people think that, you know, little kids, you just kind of overlook those things. They, they don't really have any feelings. Oh, yeah, I had feelings. It, it, it marked me. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, another man said, uh, we're going to start another team in the same area. And if you didn't make that team, come out and try for our team. Well, I made that team. In fact, Kenny, he didn't want to play for the team that he was chosen to play for. He, he, we always played on the same team. So he came over to that team. And, and I was a left-handed pitcher. We played the team I was too little to be chosen in the playoffs. And I pitched, and we won. We won. And that coach came to my house during the, the, during the off season and said uh, to my dad, I want to talk to your son about playing for us next year. I heard my dad talking to somebody and I came out of my bedroom. He said, uh, son, uh, this man wants to know if you'll play for him next year. I looked at him. I said, and I turned around. I said, no, dad, tell him I'm too little. I'll never play for him. <laughs> and I never did. And we beat him every year. Praise God. Amen. But I like being chosen. <laughs> Do I look 14? <laughs> look at those ears. Man, what's happening to this? <laughs> you can take that off the screen now. <laughs> that one too. Look how pretty Carolyn was, though. <laughs> Have you got a more recent picture of us? <laughs> but the point was, being chosen, it makes you feel special. You know, and it wasn't long after that, I don't remember too many times that I wasn't chosen in anything I pursued. And I didn't realize that it was the favor of God. Even before I came to the Lord, the favor of God that was on my life. 
chosen. We are God's chosen. We're God's peculiar people. We're God's special treasure. He claims us as his very own. Tell somebody, I'm really feeling special right now. (laughs) And you should. You should feel special. But it's not because of anything you've done. It's because of what Jesus did. Amen. It's because of what Jesus did. Don't, Don't allow anyone to convince you that you aren't special to God. You are the love of his life. Start believing the prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verses 20 and 23. Jesus said, neither pray I for these alone, talking about his disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Well, you and I are a product of the word they preached that went down generation after generation after generation finally reached us. So Jesus is including us in this prayer. And then he says, Father, show them that you love them just as you love me. First time I read that, I, I, I thought it was a misprint. How could God love me as much as he loves Jesus? But that's what Jesus said. And you need to start believing that prayer. That he loves you just as much as he loves his son, Jesus. Now, if you're not feeling special by now, you're not listening. (laughs) Say it with me. I am the object of God's affection. affection. Amen. Glorious way of living. Verse 8 in Ephesians chapter 2 says, And all we do, from the message translation, all we do is trust him enough to let him do it. That he wants to bless us with this glorious way of living. It's God's gift. Can you say amen? Amen. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 through 24. Once again from the message translation. Everything connected to that old way of life has to go. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God fashioned life. I love that phrase. Notice, a glorious life or a glorious way of life. And now he's talking about a God-fashioned life. I think a lot of people are living beneath their privileges. That's right. Amen. Amen. Now Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't let yourselves get taken in by smooth religious talk. Don't even hang around with people like that. That's what's happened to the body of Christ for the most part. They've allowed smooth religious talk to deceive them into thinking they're worthless. They're not valuable to God. They don't mean anything to God. That is contrary to the truth. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, how do we enter into this glorious way of living, this God-fashioned life. Let's go to the book of Proverbs for a moment, Proverbs chapter 3. Well, let's begin with Proverbs 4, and then we'll go back to Proverbs 3. Verse 20, my son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. 
Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life. Notice they produce life. What kind of life? A glorious life. What kind of life? A God-fashioned life. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. So notice here that it takes attending to God's word, getting it into your heart, refusing to accept the lies of religious tradition. That's how you enter into this glorious way of living, this God-fashioned life. That's exactly what I did 52 years ago. When I found scriptures like this, I immediately realized that if I'm ever going to enter into this glorious way of living and this God-fashioned life, then I'm going to have to put the Word of God first place in my life. I'm going to have to make it final authority. I I can't allow religious-minded people to frame my thoughts or direct my paths or determine my destiny. And they'll do it if you let them. Amen. But I had to attend to God's Word. What does it mean to attend? You know, if I, if I ask someone, uh, I'm going on vacation next week, which I am. Well, week after next. <laughs> Would you please attend to my house while I'm gone? Would you, would you watch over my property while I'm gone? Well, if I come back and I say, did you watch over my property? Well, I thought about it. It crossed my mind a couple of times. I knew I needed to because you asked me to. I just never got around to it. That is not attending. And that's the way some people treat the Word of God. I thought about it. I intended to. I knew I should have. That's not attending to God's Word. And if that's your attitude about the Word, then it's understandable why you're not living this glorious life or this God-fashioned life. Because it requires attending to the Word. Filling your heart with the Word. Can you say amen? Amen. Learning how to talk properly. Amen. That has everything to do with it. These are principles from the Word of God that will produce this God-fashioned life, this glorious way of living. Now, back up to chapter 3. And I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to read from the classic Amplified, uh, chapter 3, and verse 1. My son, forget not my law or teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days... And years of a life worth living. These shall they add to you. A life worth living. I love that phrase. A life worth living. You know, a lot of Christians can't say they're living a life worth living. Because so many are just existing. They're just barely getting by. And they don't think that life could get any better. Well, trust me, 
It can, and it does. But, you know, it's not going to happen automatically just because the Bible says there's potential for you to experience this. You've got to do something. You've got to be more than a hearer of the word. The Bible says, Jesus himself said, you've got to be a doer of the word. James picks up on this and says, if you're just a hearer of the word, then you're deceiving yourself. But you've got to be a doer of the word. And then you'll be blessed in all your deed. You'll begin to enter into this glorious way of living, this God-fashioned life, this life worth living. Can you say amen? amen? And you know, I can't do it for you and no other preacher can do it for you. I can, I can be an example, but I can't make you do it. Amen. If I could, I would, but I can't. And uh, it, it comes down to how desperate are you to change? I got desperate because I was just existing. And I got desperate. And the first time I heard Kenneth Copeland back there in February of 1969 talk about some of these things, I realized that it can change. I can change. My life can change. But it took more than just saying that. I had to do something about it. Amen? And I did. In fact, I became what I considered to be the most hungry person on the planet. I couldn't get enough. And the more word I got into me, I began to see changes. And the more word, more changes. The more word, more changes. The more word, more changes. And I'm still living that way 52 years later. And praise God, I can say without any reservation, I do live a glorious life. I live a God-fashioned life. I live a life worth living, praise God. In fact, there are people who actually envy me. (laughs) Amen. And they should be envying you as well. Are you still here? So, I learned from those early days. Uh, I remember the first time I read this verse, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Let's go read it. Instead of me just quoting it. Let's read it. Joshua 1 verse 8. This will produce this glorious life. This God fashioned life. And this life worth living. This book of the law. Or you could say the word. The word shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Day and night. Not occasionally. Day and night. Well, I lost my crowd. Not just on Saturday night before you come to church on Sunday. Day and night. Day and night. Everybody say day and night. Well, I can't do that, Brother Jerry. I mean, I got to work. Well, I work. Oh, no, you just preach. Follow me. I bet you there's not 25 people in here that can keep up with me. I work. You go to bed at night. I'm up praying and studying. I don't have eight to five job. 
It's all day long. That's my wife. She wakes up in the morning and I'm in the study with my head in this book. She goes to bed at night. I still got my head in this book. Now I do things in between, you know, but I work. And if I've got time to get in the Word and the kind of schedule I keep, then you do too. In fact, God arranged for 24 hours. He figured that was enough. So it could be that you're wasting a percentage of it. Woo, let me go on this side of the auditorium. I didn't go over the over that side, Vic. We waste a lot of time. You sure don't have any problem having time to worry. You don't have, you, you don't complain about not having enough time to complain. <laughs> I need more time to complain. I wish there was just a little more time in the day so I could worry more. No, you don't, you don't do that. If you have time to worry, you have time to meditate on the word because Worry is meditating on what the devil says. Let not this word depart out of your mouth. Talk it all the time. Meditate therein by day and by night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, then, not until then, not until you've done what we just read. And then. You shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Hallelujah. I found that verse 52 years ago. And I said, that's the key. If I learn to talk the Word, if I learn to do the Word, if I learn to meditate the Word by day and by night, then I'm going to have prosperity, and I'm going to have success. Hallelujah. And the Amplified includes, and you'll deal wisely in the affairs of life. Amen. Amen. So there it is. What are we going to do about that? God's laid it out for us. But he's not going to do it for us. Can you say amen? Amen. This really is a good sermon. I wish you to (laughs) respond a little better. Praise God. Now, the message translation says in Joshua 1.8, Make sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll be, or then you'll succeed. Make sure you practice everything that is written in it. And then you'll succeed. That's being a doer of the word. I learned that more than 52 years ago. And praise God. I'll say it again. I'm living a glorious life. I'm living a God-fashioned life. And I'm living a life worth living, praise God. Now, Acts chapter 20, which as you know, is one of my favorite chapters, the writings of the Apostle Paul, talking about adversity. And his, this was a man who was certainly acquainted with adversity more than you and I will ever experience. But his attitude was, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. How do you get to the place to where 
nothing Satan does moves you. How do you get to the place where bad news doesn't move you? Amen? We all hear bad news. Yes, sir. You know, Jerry Ann told you this morning, some bad news they had would, even though they had insurance, still come a $101,000 bill that they had to pay. How do you get to a place where you just look at that and say, none of these things move me? Well, that's just not possible, Brother Jerry. Oh, well, I need to take that scripture out of my Bible. It is possible. If you're full of the word. Amen. If you're full of the word. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. It's something you develop. Get to the place where none of these things move me. And nothing steals your joy. (laughs) Are y'all still here? Did you go home? That's, that's part of this glorious way of living. This God fashion life where you can get to the place where nothing moves you. I remember the first time I heard Kenneth Copeland say that. I didn't realize he was quoting Smith Wigglesworth. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe and I believe the word of God. And the first time I heard him say that, I said to myself, I'm moved by everything he's not moved by. What I hear, what I see, and what I feel. But I also said, but I'm going to get to the place where I can say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. And I'm not moved by what I hear. And I got there. Hallelujah. I, I, don't, I don't have down days. I don't have down days. I have opportunities. I just don't get down. I get down, but I don't get down. Vic's trying trying to teach me how to get down. I just don't get down. I I don't have sad days. I don't get depressed. I have opportunities. I just don't take them. Amen. Jesus said, my joy I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. I have his word that he's given unto me. That's a winning combination. The peace of God, the joy of the Lord, the word of God. That's a winning combination. And when you have it and you learn how to operate in it, you just don't have down days. Amen. I don't walk around sad. And folks, I have opportunities. I mean, when's the last time you were told we need a million dollars by Friday? (laughs) You know, one time I learned, I preached a sermon years ago about... uh, Uh, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And I learned that one of the meanings of rejoice is to leap, spin around, laugh. 
And so when I get bad reports like that, my staff knows. I leap, I spin around, and I laugh. And sometimes I hear him say when I'm walking up, he's under pressure. <laughs> but I don't yield to it. Yeah, yeah. Amen. I don't yield to it. I rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In fact, let me read this scripture to you. Uh, in Philippians 4, which I'm quoting, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Be careful for nothing. The message translation says, Celebrate God all day, every day. Celebrate God all day, every day. Don't fret or worry. The Passion Translation says, be cheerful and joyous and, and with joyous celebration in every season of life, let your joy overflow. Hallelujah. Some of you are not tapping into joy. Some of you even sing the little chord, the joy of the Lord. Is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You can't even sing a joyful song with some joy. This is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. And you can't even rejoice singing a rejoicing song. Some of you just stand there and look or sit there and look. And, and it's supposed to be a joyful song. But you got your trouble on your mind. And you're not tapping into the joy of the Lord. Amen. I remember when this really got hold of me. I was preaching in, in uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. Me and Charles Capps. Vicki Jameson, and a man that I had not met at that time, which he and I became very close friends shortly afterwards, Bill Bozanski. And the last night, Bill Bozanski was the speaker. And Demas Shakarian was present there, and all the speakers were on the platform, and it was a banquet night. They were having a, a, a dinner for everybody that attended. And uh, so the, the praise and worship team was singing joyful songs. And Charles and I are, are standing behind the speaker's table there. And they're singing these joyful songs. And, and my attitude back then, I could do without the singing. Just let's get in the Word. Bring, <laughs> let's get in the Word. We, we can sing later. Just let him preach. And they were singing these songs, and Charles Capps, now he was the most conservative individual you ever met in your life. He was born with a crew cut, he died with a crew cut, and his favorite scripture was, I change not. (laughs) And Charles is standing there like a drill sergeant, not moving a muscle. And I'm standing next to him, and all of a sudden this guy comes in the back, dancing and pulling people out from their 
table and dancing in the aisle with them. And he just kept getting closer and closer. And I don't know who he is. And I'm thinking, why don't the ushers stop this guy? And he just kept getting closer and closer to the front. And finally, he made his way up to the platform. And Vicki Jameson was down on the end. And he grabbed her around the arm and started dancing with her. And then the next person he danced with, the president of that chapter, and he danced with him. And I'm, I'm kind of looking down there. And I'm thinking, why do they let this guy get on the platform? I don't know who he is. And finally, he gets Charles Caps. And I'm standing there watching to see how Charles is going to react. Because Charles don't dance. And the arm went out. And Charles is looking straight forward, just like a drill sergeant. And this arm's doing this. And Charles did not move, did not even move. And so this guy figures he's not going to get Charles to dance with him, and I'm next. And he grabs my arm, starts pulling on me. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to look like a fool in front of all these people. So I kind of danced a little bit with him. And then I kind of danced a little more. Next thing you know, it got on me, praise God. And now Bill Bozanski and I are dancing, and it felt good, praise God. I like to say, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen taught me faith, but Bill Bozanski taught me joy. And boy, when I learned how to tap into the joy of the Lord coupled together with my faith, woo, it was an unbeatable team, hallelujah. Amen. I thank God that he sent Bill Bozanski into my life because I learned how to tap into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're talking about a glorious way of living, a God-fashioned life, a life worth living. Amen. And now let me close it with this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 from the Amplified. The latter part of that verse says, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Notice all these wonderful phrases we've talked about this morning. This glorious way of living. This God-fashioned life. This life worth living. And now he adds the good life. The good life. What would you consider to be the good life? You know, one time I was watching TV, watching something on TV, and there came a commercial. And it was all these guys went out to the lake on a, on a fishing trip and a camping trip. And that night they're all sitting around the fire, you know, and they pulled, I don't remember what kind of beer it was, out of the cooler and passed one to everybody. And they all take a swig and the commercial said, it don't get any better than this. I jumped up and I said, yes, it does. <laughs> it gets a whole lot better than that. You just think you're living the good life. I'm living the good life. And I'm sober in the morning when I get up too, praise God. Amen. God wants us to live a glorious way of living. Amen. A God-fashioned life. Amen. 
the good life, a life worth living. It can be yours. All you got to do is follow the instructions. Amen. And God will make it happen. Praise God. Lift your hands and say, I receive it. Say this with me. I'm not a hearer only. I am a doer. I practice what I hear. I apply it to my life. And I believe I'm headed for a better life than I'm living right now. A glorious life. A God-fashioned life. A life worth living. The good life. And give the Lord a great shout for it. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The good life includes divine health. Healing and made whole from cancer. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. Praise God. Hallelujah. You received this morning? Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and Eric's going to come and receive our tithes and offerings. But let's just take a couple of moments here and just bless the Lord and thank him for the life that he's already prearranged for all of us to live. A glorious, glorious life. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Your word declares, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Lord, if there's anybody in here this morning who's never received Jesus as the Lord of their life, I pray they'll not leave this place until they make that decision. The best decision they will ever make. And those that are watching by way of live stream, and those who might be watching down the road after this service has already been recorded and played again and again and again, if they've never made Jesus the Lord of their life, You've made it very simple. You said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's all you have to do. You don't have to change the way you live first. Receive Jesus first and he'll change the way you live. Hallelujah. So, Father, we pray that prayer in Jesus' name. And listen, if there's anybody in this building this morning and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I would count it a great honor to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand? If there's anyone at all? All right. I don't see any hands up. So I'm assuming then everybody is born again. Everybody is walking with God. And everybody is headed for a better life than you ever dreamed. Amen. Let's give the Lord a good shout for it. <laughs>